In the last several weeks, we've been in a series called The Questions of Christmas. And we've been taking a look at the, Chris, uh, the questions that the main characters have had. We've taken a look at Mary's question. Will I accept the mission that God has for me? We took a look at Joseph's question. Will I trust God with the mission that he's given me, though I don't understand it? Last week, we took a look at the wise men's question, and that is, what will I give to fulfill my mission? Today, we're going to take a look on Christmas Eve at the innkeeper's question, which is, will I make room for him in my life? Back in 1980, my wife and I took a vacation to Canada and then to New York to attend the Democratic National Convention. After it was over with, I had this bright idea of just heading back to Missouri without making reservations at any motels or hotels. And I told her my reasoning was, you know what, there's plenty of hotels on the way back home. We won't have any problems. 20 hours into that trip, somewhere in Ohio, off of I-70, I pulled off with my wife and my six-month-old son into a rest stop, and we slept in the car. I can relate to the part of the innkeeper's story that says, and there was no room in the inn. I want to read the innkeeper's story here. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his, own, uh, to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. You might circle that phrase, no room. You see, Jesus was born in a manger, the Greek word for manger uh, refers to a cattle stall or a stable. It might even refer to a feeding trough. Regardless of what it was, folks, it was not a sanitary place. Jesus wasn't born in a hospital. He was born in a barn. And think about this. This is the eternal God, the promised Messiah. There have been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of predictions of him coming into the world. And the day that he comes into this world, there is no room in the end for him. Now, I have, to, I have to think, as a businessman, that this guy missed the biggest bonanza of his life. Can you imagine if he would have made room for Jesus in his hotel, his motel, his inn, what he could have advertised throughout history. Folks, he could have put a big sign on the top of his building like those Las Vegas signs, right? Jesus, the Son of God, was born here. 
you can stay in the Jesus suite for $599.95. Folks, it could have been a Graceland type of experience. But he missed the biggest bonanza of his life because he said this, sorry, no room. Now before we become, before we get too hard on this individual, folks, we do the same thing. You do it, I do it, we all do it. Our culture does it. In fact, I would say over the last 60 or 70 years, we have been taking Jesus out of Christmas. We have, we have been taking him out of the rooms of our culture. We've been taking him out of the courtrooms, the state rooms, the, the, the work rooms, the classrooms. We've taken Christ out of Christmas where Christ can't even celebrate his own birthday. What's going on here? We're making no room for Jesus. Now tonight, I don't want to talk about our culture. I want to talk about us. Why I want to talk about us by asking three questions. Why do we not make room for Jesus in our lives? And why should we? And then lastly, how do we? Now the same reasons that we don't make room for Jesus in our lives are the same reasons that this innkeeper didn't make room for Jesus. And for you and I to realize that, you have to understand that your heart is like an inn. It's like a hotel. It's like a motel. And in your heart, there are various rooms. There are family rooms. There are work rooms. There are bedrooms. There are dining rooms. You even have a garage in your heart. And if you're going to invite Jesus into your life, you're going to have to make room for him in your heart. Just like the innkeeper needed to make room in his life for him. And yet, why is it that we don't do that? Well, we see three reasons really in this story of the innkeeper. And the first one is is that we're not even aware that Jesus is around. We're paying no attention whatsoever. The reality is God is around us everywhere we go. He likes to make himself known through opportunities, sometimes through problems, sometimes through maybe a phone call from a friend and what they have said. But we just don't see him. He's kind of like radio waves. They exist in this room right now, but until you and I get tuned in with them, we're not aware of them. In the same way, folks, we're not aware of Jesus because we're not in tune with them. Now, this is a, this is a common problem. When Jesus was on this earth, one day, a couple of guys were walking down a road called the Road of Emmaus, and Jesus popped in to talk with them, and it says that they didn't recognize him. One day, Jesus was tired, and he was thirsty, and he was sitting at a well, and a woman came up, and he asked her if she would draw him a drink, and they had a discussion, and she didn't even realize and recognize Who was in her midst? The spring water of life. 
In John 4, 10, it says this. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink and I'd be giving you living water. Folks, she didn't notice. And when Jesus comes into our life, oftentimes we don't notice him either. We are unaware. As we walk through the holidays, we pass, and maybe as we drove in, we, we passed the nativity scene, and we don't see Jesus in the nativity scene. Or we're watching a Hallmark Christmas movie, and we don't see him in that. Or we're listening to the radio of some Christmas carols, and we don't hear him in those either. Why? Because we're just not tuned in. We are totally oblivious. Now let me bring a little focus to this innkeeper's story. You see, in Bethlehem, the problem wasn't that there wasn't an inn. Oh, folks, there was an inn there. The problem was that there was no room in the inn. There was no vacancy, there was no space, there was no availability. This is a parallel to our hearts. You see, our hearts have been made by God and they've been made for God. And until you and I understand that, life isn't gonna make a whole lot of sense. God made our hearts for himself. But what oftentimes happens is that we fill up our hearts with other things. We invite other guests in. We rent out our hearts to other things and so there's no room in our life for Jesus. This leads to the second reason that we see in the innkeeper's story, which is that our lives are filled with other things, even good things. But good things, can they not become the enemy of the best? Have you noticed this astounding truth? Stuff accumulates. Have you noticed that? In my garage, stuff accumulates. It multiplies. I've never seen it multiply, but strange things happen in the dark, okay? We have shows about that today on cable network. Hoarders. Now, you and I, we sit here, and we think, Pastor George, that's not true of me. I'm not that way. Okay, I'll give it to you. Maybe you're not, but let me ask you this question. Where is your car parked? Folks, I go visit people in our community, and I go down streets that are supposed to be two-way streets, and because there are cars parked, lines of cars parked on either side, it's a one-way street. It takes GPS to navigate the different sides of vehicles that are on the street to get to that person's house. Why is that? Because the garages are filled full of stuff. Cars were made for garages. Not stuff. Your heart was made by God and it was made for God. And it wasn't made for stuff. 
But what oftentimes happens in our life is that we begin renting out our hearts to other things. We have overbooked our lives. And that might not be such a bad thing, except the results are tragic. When your life is filled with stuff, folks, you and I don't have room in our life for the gifts that God wants to give us, to give us hope, to give us encouragement in the dark times of life, during the struggles of life. Gifts like relationships, emotional gifts, spiritual gifts, financial gifts, health gifts, vocational gifts, those kinds of gifts God wants to give us, but we don't have room for them because they're filled with other things. You see, God has made you for a purpose. And that purpose, honestly, is to have hope as you walk through this life. Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to give you a future and a hope. But we have no room. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 2.14. The unspiritual person has no room for the gifts of God's spirit. To him they are folly. He cannot even recognize them. I can't even make room for the gifts that would give me hope as I walk through life because I have no room for the gift giver, really. And Jesus describes this overcrowded life, this overbooked life, this overspent life, this overestimated life in Mark chapter 4 and verse 10, where he says, They are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they heard, and nothing comes of it. I think that describes our life. I mean, think about this. Christmas is tomorrow, right? I hope your kids wake up at three o'clock in the morning like mine did. But Christmas is tomorrow. You have spent this last month buying gifts, wrapping gifts, decorating the house, preparing meals, and getting everything ready for people that you really don't want to invite to your house. <laughs> But have you had any time for Jesus? It's his birthday. You see, if I could give you any gifts, folks, it would be the gift of understanding that one thing matters the most. And it isn't about things. It is about relationships. It is about our relationship with God who sent his only son. And it is about our relationship with one another. Take a look at Deuteronomy 8:14. Make sure you don't become so full of yourself and your things that you forget God. We're unaware of his presence. We crowd our lives with other things so he has no room to reside within us. And then there is a third reason that we see in this innkeeper's story, and that is we really don't think that we need God. 
We have have this attitude of self-sufficiency. You know what? My life, well, it's fine. It really is. And guess what? Your life may be a good life. In fact, if you live in this area, I can guarantee you, it is a good life. But would you like to know how to live a better life? Because there is one. This this comes to my attention in a number of different ways. I, I can remember when I was growing up, and we were overseas, and let me tell you, it was a treat to get SpaghettiOs. Do you remember SpaghettiOs by Chef Boyardee? I mean, my mom would open that can, we'd heat that thing up, and we'd eat it, and I thought, man, this is the good life. Until I got married to my wife, and she cooked me what real spaghetti is about. A few years ago, I I thought I had the good life. I had a 65-inch TV. I thought life was great. Until I bought an 82-inch Samsung If there was a better life, wouldn't you want it? Sure you would. Folks, we live here, one of the most prosperous counties in the nation. The innkeeper said, why do I need another guest? I'm full. I'm sold out. I've made my bundle. I am set for life. And guess what? A lot of people say that about Jesus today. And they are arrogant about that. Look at Psalms 10, verse 4. People are too proud to seek God. They do not look for him. There is no room for God in their life. You see, why should we do this? God has hope for us. And it's wrapped up in gifts that he wants us to have. Let me give you two benefits of why we need to make room. The first one is simply this. You get to know your creator and your savior. Folks, if I said I can introduce you to Bono of you 2 that would be no big deal, guaranteed. If I said I could introduce you to Obama, our former president, folks, that would be no big deal. Let me make this politically correct. If I could introduce you to Trump today, let me tell you this, it would be no big deal. But if I could introduce you to Jesus, who is your savior in God, folks, that is a big deal. But Pastor George, I thought we were talking about God's son. We are, but Jesus was God. He is God in the flesh the one who made you and I. Take a look at this out of John 1. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive and is himself God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. Eternal life is in him, and this life gives light to all mankind. Folks, when you and I are confused, and we are wandering around, and we don't know which way to go, and we are feeling hopeless, that's when you and I need to do what our culture says. When in doubt, turn to the owner's manual. When in doubt, consult the inventor, the creator of it. And Jesus Christ is your creator. He created you, and not only did he create you, he saved you. 
Now, you and I might sit here and say, well, I don't know if I need to be saved. Well, I got a remedy for you. Get married. Reality is, marriage does not create problems. It reveals problems. And moi is it. We got a problem, and the Bible calls it sin. And, and God says, hey, I've got this perfect place. It's called heaven, but I can't allow you in because only perfect people can go there. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son who's going to live a perfect life. By the way, he's God. He can do that. And he's going to die on the cross. He's going to resurrect from the grave so that you can go to heaven. And that's all wrapped up in one verse, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, whosoever makes room for him. What does that mean? That means simply this, that God doesn't care about your religion. You can be Baptist, you can be Buddhist. You can be Muslim, you can be Methodist. You can be an agnostic, you can be an atheist. God doesn't care what your religious background is. What he cares about is whether you have a relationship with him. And he says, whosoever believes in me will have life. Life filled full of hope. And so God says, make room for me so you can be a part of my family. Let me read John 1, 11. He came to the world which belonged to him, but those who were his did not receive him and did not welcome him, but to those who did receive and welcome, he gave the privilege and power to become the children of God because they believe in his name. Folks, there is hope when you know your creator and that you are in relationship with him because you begin to understand what your purpose is. And then he gives you, beyond that, a peace that passes all understanding. In our culture today, there are people who are walking around with the affluence around them feeling hopeless on the inside. This is what psychologists call the imposter phenomena, which basically says this, if I'm so successful, why do I feel so hopeless on the inside? Why do I feel so empty? Why do I feel like I'm a fake? Why do I feel like there should be something more? I'll tell you why. Because there is something more. You and I were made for more than money. We were made for meaning. You and I were made for more than salary. We were made for significance. I could truly bring you millionaires up on this stage that would tell you that money makes life easier, but it doesn't give you meaning, and it doesn't give you peace. 2 Corinthians 6 says, the smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. In other words, don't shut out God. God's got a purpose for your life. And as you include him in, he gives you a peace that passes all understanding. A few days ago, I got to say goodbye to one of our members of our church. And she said, Pastor George, I'm ready to go. 50-year-old mom. And they were giving her thanks. Pastor George, why do they give me this? I know where I'm going. I'm ready. 
That is the peace that God gives one who has placed their faith in him. A peace that isn't here today and gone tomorrow. John 14, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give you isn't fragile like the peace the world gives, so you won't be troubled or afraid. Over the last 300 years, there have been about 260 major peace treaties, and none of them have lasted. But the peace that God gives is eternal, and it gives hope as you're even walking through dark times. There's another gift that he gives that gives hope, and that is power. 2 Timothy 1.7, God does not give us a spirit that makes us afraid or fearful. Instead, he gives us a spirit of power and love and self-control. Reality is human energy wears out. And when it does, hopelessness arises. But hope came into our world on Christmas Day. Hope was born this night. And when he came into this world, he came with gifts to give you and I hope. He gave us purpose. He gave us peace. He gave us power. The question is, will we make room for him in our hearts? I want you to follow me with this. Just because the innkeeper didn't make room in his life for Jesus, that didn't hurt God. That hurt that innkeeper. In the same way, you and I today, tonight, can say, you know what? I don't need God in my life. Life's great. Understand this, that doesn't hurt God. God has his plan, and history is his story. It only hurts you. Or you might say, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just give God one room in my heart. I'll give him the Creaster room. That, that's, that's the room for Christmas and Easter. And again, that doesn't hurt God. That hurts you and I. Tonight on Christmas Eve, will you up and open up your whole heart to him? Because he came for you. And he is your creator God. And he has a purpose for your life. And he has peace that will pass all understanding as you travel that road. And he will give you power to finish it. Tonight, Jesus came to give you hope. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you on this Christmas Eve. We are reminded of your entry into human history. To be the difference maker that you dreamt about for thousands of years. Of coming in and being received for who you are. 
our God and our Savior. And tonight we want to acknowledge that. Not just with our minds in a traditional way, but we want to acknowledge it from our hearts. Today, if you haven't said yes and opened up your heart to the one who created you, the one who has a purpose and a plan for your life, the one who wants to give you peace and power that you might have hope, will you do that? Will you just say in the quietness of your heart something like this, God, I admit that I've been self-sufficient. But I want to acknowledge, God, that there is a void in my life. And I understand it's you. And I want to invite you in to be my God and help me to understand what my purpose is and to have peace that's eternal and a power that can go the distance. God, I look to you to do that. And so tonight, come in. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for dying on the cross for my sins, for him being my savior. And if you prayed that prayer, in whatever way that you, you did, it really doesn't matter. As long as you meant it, God heard you. Would you let me know? I, I could think of no greater gift than to be able to shoot you an email after Christmas to give you some information to help you understand what your purpose is and how you can have peace and power in your life. If you just give me your name, maybe your email address, as much as you want to give, put it on that uh, communication card and throw it in the offering basket as it goes by, I'll be glad to email you that stuff. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your entry into our lives. We want to honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.